0: Hey everyone, and welcome to The Deeper Podcast. This is Caleb McCollum, and today I had the privilege of being a part of a conversation with Devin McAllister. Devin McAllister and me met at Kingswood University and have been friends for the last four or five years, but he is now living in Heartland, New Brunswick, where he is the worship leader and youth pastor at Heartland Wesleyan Church. And this conversation goes a bunch of different directions. We go on a lot of different rabbit trails where we talk about health and fitness and ultimately end up about the concept of what it looks like to be transformed in the image of Jesus. And so it's a really fascinating conversation. I really had fun being a part of it. So I hope you guys have a fun time listening to it. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to comment on the Instagram or Facebook page. And as always, we are always open to learn, so feel free to ask a question, feel free to leave a comment in those places. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Devin McAllister.
1: Yeah. So, well, is your title officially Next Gen Pastor? No, I'm actually uh, like, I think that the way it works is I'm assistant pastor yeah. and responsible for youth and worship. Right. Um, we have a lady here at the church who's responsible for our children's ministry. Yes. Yeah. So youth pastor, but not all of Next Generation. Not entirely. Yeah. Yeah. But Just, just the better version of Next Generation. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've only done the better version of Next Gen. Oh, goodness. Man, all the children's yeah. ministry people out there are going to be like, Caleb, what did you just say? Yeah. But Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's interesting that you have a position that fits so well with who you are. Because, like, we, we were roommates in college. Um, kind of got to see you, like, lead different trips with Praxis, which is kind of like a ministry team that goes out and serves and, you know, plays music and just generally talks to people about Jesus. And to see the way that you led the band, to see, like, the way that you kind of developed... Um, as a person, me being a fourth year, you being a first year coming in, even though you're older than me at that point. Still am. Yeah, 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 you still are. (laughs) It's crazy how that works, crazy how that works, eh? But to see you in a position
1: that you're leading worship, but you're also leading, you know, teens, like that's cool, so. Yeah, well, I think one of the big things I've wanted to bring into this youth ministry position, and even as I was like sitting in quarantine from March until I got this job, Um, It was really me thinking about, like, how do I implement praxis into a youth ministry position? Because I think the the goal of praxis is to form Christlike behavior in students. And so it's like going out and doing ministry with the poor or like telling people about Jesus and all of this other stuff, which is exactly what we want our students to do. So it sort of seems like it's a it's like complementary but you did Praxis too, right? And you also did some of the Ecclesia missions yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praxis was really good. And I think anyone that wants to know, like, like, what it means to follow Jesus should do, like, a program like that to really kind of get those muscles working, you know? Because I think that so often we can get into the mindset that, like, we're going to church so the church can serve us. But the heart of Jesus is really to be you know, the hands and feet so that we can serve other people. Like that's what Jesus exemplified and that's what we're supposed to do. And so I think something like praxis, it doesn't have to be praxis and we're still figuring things out. It's not like we're perfect either, but the reality is, is like Jesus served people. So any,
1: any program like that is great for people that are wanting to go deeper in their faith. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a great experience. And I think the missions component Also is like a great opportunity to see how missions trips can bring teams together. Yeah. It's interesting doing it at the end of your praxis term. Because what ends up happening is you go to this foreign country and you come back with all of these like closeness yeah, ties with yeah, the people yeah. you went with. Yeah, but now all of a sudden it's done. And Th- you're there's like, something
0: oh. about going to a different country with like a group of ten people that like kind of bonds you together. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We uh, we went to. Uh, did you guys go to Peru? Is we that did. You went? Yeah, you went we to did. Peru. We 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 didn't go to Peru. We went to. I always get confused as to where some of those places are. South America and Central America. Is Peru in central? Peru is as south as you can get, I think. Okay, so we went to Central America in Guatemala. Went to Guatemala. And we spent a week there, and we went to a volcano where we roasted marshmallows at the top with our team. And that was definitely not the like the best part of the trip but that's probably like one of the most memorable parts of it whereas like we all have this shared experience of like roasting marshmallows at the top of this volcano right so just
1: kind of a fun experience that we do stuff together my wife was on maybe not that same volcano but maybe i think she would have been and she burnt the soles off her shoes coming back down the mountain right yeah so the soles of her shoes had melted by the time she got back down yeah so yeah pretty intense Praxis will take you a lot of cool places yeah hopefully it wasn't Blundstones though I don't think so (laughs) Caleb's been making fun of me because I own not just a pair of Blundstones but also a pair of Doc Martens well here's the thing it's not it's not just you I think
0: Blundstones in general are great and I I respect anyone that wears them
1: I think for me I will never buy a pair of (laughs) Blundstones Never in my life, man. The Aussies are not going to appreciate that plug. That's okay. Hey, dude, we could get sponsorships right now. Come on, <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't want Blendstones. I love Blendstones. <laughs> They're the greatest thing in the world. They're so comfortable. Okay, sponsor Devin for Blendstones, but do not sponsor Caleb. Caleb wants a what? Nike Saucony. <sighs> what? Did I say it wrong? Is it Saucony? Saucony. you are talking about running. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I. Personally, I I don't like Saucony either. I think no. it I think it is Saucony. Saucony, yeah. yeah. Um, I run with Ultras.
1: I've never heard of them. Yeah, they're a minimalist running shoe. Basically, okay. just means it's a flat plane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so Caleb's on the other end of the spectrum from me. Yeah. I run in Hoka One Ones that he actually bought me. You um, still have those that have a massive heel in them that yeah, basically like... force because I'm a heel striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it forces me to run on my toes. So. Yeah. Kind of the opposite experience yeah
0: hokas are great they're probably honestly the top running shoe for long distance really I th- yeah Oh,
1: yeah. i had no clue yeah hokas are great i had only looked for them because i was looking for something that would help me run a little bit more midsole yeah um and that's what these do right like because of the thick heel it, anyways yeah anyone that's looking to get into like long distance marathon distance stuff are the best. Hey guys, sure. I'm Devin. Welcome to the Running Podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm That's kidding. kidding. That's right, right. Okay. But it's it's super yeah. relevant to you because I think one of the things that like we talk about knowing each other in college, one of the yeah. things that you were to me was inspirational towards that end. Like I I have these bursts of inspiration where I'm like, hey. Let's go flip tires. And it's like, great, we're flipping tires and that's fun. But then like a month later, I'm dead and not doing anything. And it's like, you have been fairly consistent. I don't know what your schedule has been like lately with COVID and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like, I mean, COVID has been an interesting
0: time for anyone to keep any kind of habits. But I think throughout this whole time, it's been... It's been me realizing that it doesn't have to be the same activity, it just has to be something. you know. So like, throughout quarantine, I just quarantined for two weeks, two weeks ago. And uh, throughout that time I couldn't run. I couldn't be outside and running's my thing. Like I've been running for years. So I had to think of different things to do inside. So there were a lot of like YouTube workout videos and I was looking up and like, uh, you know, like the 10 minute cardio burner, whatever. Um, but it was something And I think like working out for me is not Is not something I do necessarily Just because of the sport Like people are like hockey people Basketball people, running people I would say I'm pretty much a running person But it does more For my mind than it does Anything else That's probably why I would say I would work out um, Kind of got off track there No, I well going, actually I think- Yeah, yeah, no but But I think that like more often than not, people get discouraged because they can't do what they see other people doing, and I think it's important to just start where you're at. Like, yeah. if, if there's a five minute workout that you do, you, James Clear. Do you know James Clear? You know that name? I've never heard of it. He wrote the book. Oh. wrote the book Atomic Habits, and he talks about how like the idea of going to the gym for a lot of people in the new year is like. They want to do that. Like they want, yeah. to, they want to commit to going to the gym every day For sure. or five days, whatever. Um, but often they'll quit, you know, on the 17th, Quitter's Day of January because it's too hard or they just get out of habit or whatever. Right.
1: We're doing a series. He, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, we're doing a series on goals right now um, yeah. with our youth. Um, and one of the things it mentions in the very start of that uh, informationally is, uh, oh, what was it? I don't want to give the wrong number, but I think it's only like 25% of people make it out of yeah. um, January with,
0: yeah. their, with yeah. their New Year's resolutions. So, so the thing that he says is that when it comes to going to the gym or any habit that you want to form, you need to start really small. And the idea is to start almost small enough that it's just consistent. So say it's going to the gym. Don't go for half an hour and do a workout. Go for five minutes
1: right. and do five pull-ups. Well, and I think one and of the things leave- that it it pushed me towards like, I, I've read too much. And so my brain has all of these different theories of how goal sure. crafting should work. Sure. And I've never been consistent or good at that stuff. Um, but one of the things that I started doing this year was like, I need to lose weight. And so as a goal, um, I've got numbers and stuff and I will go into it, but it's like, yeah. when I started out the year, the only goal was I'm going to be on the treadmill daily. Yeah. That was it yeah. because it, it didn't matter if I was on for five minutes and I was standing there exhausted and sore. Yeah. Or if I was doing like a mountain climb for five minutes, which felt good and yeah. rewarding. Or if I was able to stay on for 15, 20 minutes and run. Yeah. It didn't really matter. Yeah. But what I found was as my body became sore and fatigued, yeah. it pushed me away from wanting to continue it. Yeah. And so if I pushed myself too hard or too far, it broke the habit that I had worked on for the last yeah. five, six, seven days. Yeah. And so I find I'm, I'm, I'm desperately in need of that second wind as yes. I go into those things where it's like, okay, and breathe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, it really comes down to training. Like the
0: way that you train is the way that you'll ultimately keep that habit. Because again, if, if you make a goal that's unattainable in the time frame that you have, then you'll stop Right. You know, like if your goal is to lose a hundred pounds in a day, it's just not going to happen. You know, you yeah, don't quit, well, right, sure. right, or or something like that. Say, I mean, you could you could cut off like a couple of legs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, cut off a couple of appendages. But uh, but yeah, like you need to create consistent patterns of habit so that you can get to your goal. Maybe not in the speed that you want, or yeah. maybe in the speed that someone
1: else wants, but you will get there. Well, You'll no, see results. I think that's my big struggle is everything's black or white. Yeah. Like, you know, from from when we were together, like, I was either doing everything or I was doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, hey, I've been up at 5 a.m. every single morning. I've gone to the gym. I've come back. I've eaten breakfast and I'm healthy. Or it was, man, I can't even get out of bed to go to class. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. Yeah, yeah. want And so I just, I found throughout my life, um, and it's probably an extension of like anxiety and depression that I struggled with when I was younger. Yeah. Um, it really pushed me into these these thought patterns of, well, actually, you would call it drains or pits, right? Like you start at the top of the pit and you're like, oh, I'm great. I'm awesome. I can do this. And you keep doing it for a couple of days. And slowly as your body fatigues and you're not repairing it well because you're not giving it time to heal. Like, say, when I was doing two a days a week or two days a days. Uh, seven days a week yeah, and I lost 30 pounds in a month Like it was like wow, great results, awesome this is cool, but it was super unsustainable because at the end of the month my body was exhausted I was emotionally wrecked Yeah, and that was sort of how it works and so I get into these cycles of I'm awesome, no I'm not I'm awesome, no I'm not, I'm awesome, no I'm not and so I found as I've become a Christian and as I've started to walk more in the center of that all or nothing it's kind of like a middle road that says you know I can have grace for myself yes. when I suck. Yeah. But I can yeah. also humble myself when I think I'm awesome and say, hey, man, but remember, yeah, you also suck. So yeah. there's this balance that, that comes along there that says, like, that's what Mike in in Praxis taught me. It was like, you need to find the middle where it's like, not on you, but it's not entirely on God. Like, there's this middle road that you walk that says, I'm going to get better and I'm going to do this better. Yeah. Well and I think
0: it's so true that like some of the the habits or the patterns that people have in their life that are, that work are so true in the Christian life too. Like when it comes to your walk with Jesus, you know, you you don't start off going out to the poor every single day. You know, like it might be something that God gives you to be able to do that or you don't. Go out and you start praying for every single person that you see all the time. Like maybe it's you try praying for one person one time and see how it goes. And if nothing happens, try it again. Try it again mm-hmm. the next day, you know? And I think if we if we start to get into the habit of trying new things and realizing we're not going to be good at every single thing that we try, um, we'll not only see results over the long period of time, like we'll see change. Um, but if you want to take that to like Bible reading, you're not going to read the whole Bible in a day. (laughs) You know, you could, you could, but maybe start reading like a verse a day. I don't know if you could. Or a book a day. You might Even if you listen to the Bible at twice
1: speed. I listen to the Bible a lot, so I think I yeah. know what I'm talking about. I think it's like 66 to 69 hours at at one time speed. So yeah. if you go to two times speed, I think you can't even fit it into a day. So you'd have to be cranking it out to get it done in 24 Maybe hours. Maybe four times speed. Maybe four, four times speed. Man. <laughs> I don't think we, you really retain a whole lot. But. There's actually, there's a guy, I don't know if it's Max McLean or who it is that does an audio Bible, but he reads so slowly and deep and it's just constantly, and it's yeah, yeah. And so... I found I could put him up to like three and a quarter speed and that was the same as putting some other readers on it at at two times speed and Max McLean I'm sure you'll never hear this but 12 o'clock it's 12 o'clock was that your clock 'clock. yeah so I'm I'm also crazy and and I'll have to find a way to mute that when I do recordings and stuff like this but um, my Mac tells me every 15 minutes that it's been 15 minutes because it helps me to keep on track. So I'm, I'm like wicked ADHD, as you, if you couldn't tell from listening to the trails we've gone on. Um, but it's like I go from one place to another or I get hyper focused. And so the struggle I have is like I could be working on a task and look at the time and be like, OK, it's 915. Great. Let's keep going. And then I'm looking at the clock again and it's 1130 in the morning and I'm like, oh, how did I get here? What have I done for the last two and a quarter hours? And so the the 15 minute reminders, I take it as an opportunity to pray. I'm not that holy, but it, it's like, I take it as like, oh yeah, take a second and pray for something that comes to mind. And then I go back to work and, and I choose the next thing. It's like, yeah. hey, I've been doing this one thing, but I don't really need to get that done today. Like I have a list of like three things that I know I need to get done today. I should be working on those. And this one thing has been dragging me out of my focus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Yeah, I don't know
0: how we got there, but, uh, I guess the 12 o'clock thing, I think, um, go back to what we were talking about with, uh, habits, like so much of what people get discouraged with in life is when they do something they don't want to do. You know, like when you talk about addiction, tons of different things that bog people down with discouragement, I think it can really be traced back to, I think what you were talking about. And I love the way you said it, um, kind of that downward spiral of feeling really good about yourself and then really bad about yourself because the behavior is not matching up with what you want to be. And I think the behavior is something that comes from training, you know, like you have to train your behavior to change. And I think like when Jesus talks about, you know, walking with him and following him, like the disciples weren't perfect followers when they first started following jesus like i'm sure there was hiccups along the way and even throughout scripture you see like the way they mess things up but then paul like he even talks about like the renewing of your mind you know you're transformed by the renewing of your mind and the more that we're in scripture prayer like the more that we serve people like that that starts to actually happen you know like that starts to transform not just the way that you behave but like your heart for people and like the really the way that you approach things so it's not just the change in behavior but it's the change in your mindset and your heart behind it and all that so it's really it's awesome yeah it's really cool the way that works Mm -hmm. i uh going off that too have you heard of strauss zelnick no he is a ceo and he's designed video games for like grand theft auto uh That's the only one that's coming to mind right now. He's done a few different video games, but he's a CEO and he's 62 years old. You should look up a picture of him. He's awesome. He is the most fit man I've ever seen for his age. Yeah, I've got it up right here. Man, he is, is it 62? Dude. Dude, he's a beast. He works out like five times a day
1: that's crazy dude yeah this guy's what a video game designer yeah well he's a CEO oh, CEO okay. of a video game company right on is he 62 or uh, 63
0: 63 63 years old yeah so I was listening to a podcast with him and he was talking about his routine and he said I think it was five times a day he works out
1: whoa but like, how that's long? insane
0: Oh, I don't, I, don't I don't know. Maybe like half an hour.
1: Well, but so here's the thing. Yeah. So he works out for five hours a day, but it's the same thing as like I heard Luther and, and Spurgeon would pray two or three hours a day. Yeah. It's right. like it's that same thing. It's like they didn't just get there.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. He didn't start off that way. And I think he even said that he started working out because one of his buddies started making fun of him because he had a pouch <laughs> He's like, yeah, he, like, he had like a little bit of fun. He's like, dude, you need to work out, man. He's like, I'm not fat. And then he looked down one day, he's like, oh, I am fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. Yeah. No, that dude's handsome. He's, dude. he's obviously fit. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Yeah. And it's two guys sitting here, two next-gen pastors saying Strauss Zelnick is handsome. Yeah. Very I handsome. of them.
1: Dude. And, and the thing is. Like, I used to look at these. So, I struggled. I don't know how much we've talked about that, but I struggled with anorexia when I was young just because I really had strong body image issues. Um, And that's weird for a dude. It used to be, actually. I don't know if it's as weird anymore. Sure. Um, There are different issues guys focus with, like bigorexia, if you've heard of it. Like, the idea that you need to get as big and strong. And so, there are guys who are, like, monsters. They look like the mountain. Yeah. But they're... They look at themselves in the mirror and they see a scrawny guy who can't do what they want to. Right. Anyways. Right. um, And so I used to look at, like, guys like and it could be like, man, I want to look like that. Man, I want to look like that. And now I think I've come to a point where I'm just like, I want to be my ideal self, whatever that ends up looking like. And I don't know that I know that my ideal self has a six pack. I would love to. Man, would love to, well, but and it's, I don't know if that's where I'm It's interesting, too,
0: in the podcast, I forgot to say this, but he was saying, like, that photo that we just saw of him, like, with his shirt off and stuff, he, he had to do some very specific things that day to get himself to look like that. So he says, like, I'm not walking around like this all the time right. with a six-pack, you know? Sure. And I think, like, you know, the images that we see in social media
1: are not always what is attainable. What is well, and it's not even realistic. Yeah. And I think we see that a lot. There are a lot of fitness people who post pictures of themselves off of right whatever whatever binge uh, binge cut they've been doing. Right, yeah. it's like, hey, I did a water cut in order to be able to look like what I'm doing on stage. Because sure. you you see like the professional bodybuilders, yeah, the guys who are sculpting, yeah, and they spend I think it's like six days cutting before a thing. And oh, it's, it's dangerous. Crazy. Yeah. But they're like, these guys are going to the extent of like and I, I it's funny because I immediately equate it to Photoshop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like a good bodybuilder right, spent right. six days doing all of these things to make themselves appear this way. Then you look at Photoshop and social media or even curating your life by writing a blog that makes you sound one way but you're not. Yeah. And it's like those things are the same. Like you're spending a ton of time focused on presenting yourself in a certain way, but like what happens behind that? And so I think there's probably a difference seriously because like bodybuilders also have significant muscle mass that they've built up over a long period of time. Yeah. Whereas anyone can hop on Photoshop and make themselves look thinner, fitter, certain leaner. Way, yeah, for sure. So it's yeah. interesting. But I wonder about us as next-gen pastors, and I even think about as we get on stage in front of students or, or adults or whatever it is, and it's like, man, are we putting on a quick fix to make us look a certain way Sunday morning? And are we really doing the work to put the muscle and foundation into what goes through the rest of the week. Like, is there a facade there? Yeah. It's like, how easy would it be for us as pastors to be able to just kind of like pick up and put on for Sunday or whenever we're meeting with people for sure. Yeah. And then to be able to go home and and like what I've been saying earlier this morning, I've talked about, we've been watching a lot of Netflix, my wife and I, Yeah. and it's like, it's just easy. It's a time to spend together and do stuff. But, man, I don't know if The Blacklist is really supporting us moving into a fitter and healthier space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's hard because I don't want to go home and watch Judah Smith for, for six hours. Right? <laughs> right? But I can watch right. Blacklist for six hours. And right. It's like, yeah, yeah, how did this happen? Like, yeah. how did we waste our entire evening on yeah. a TV show? Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I hear what you're saying. I think... Uh, Like, I think for a long time, there was a part of me that was like, oh, Netflix is bad. You know, like Netflix is wrong to do or like, and I'm not saying that everything that's on Netflix is, is good. I think we both agree that like, there's a lot of crap on Netflix, Um, but there's also a lot of good on Netflix. It's a tool. Use it the way you want. I, I don't think it necessarily is something that points you in the direction of Jesus all the time. Like there's that faith category and. Whatever Faith and
1: spirituality Genre I didn't even know There was a genre On there for that We always have looked yeah. Like we just watched Courage Yeah On there And it was great You've seen courage, it Courage Courageous or Courage Is it Courageous It's yeah. the one with the men Yeah Courageous Yeah Yeah yeah. Yeah, They're cops or something yeah. yeah They're cops
0: Yeah So Good movie And like that's That's it Like there's good movies On there um, I think it really Just comes down to like What In, in 50 years Who do you want to be and is is Netflix going to curb you in a direction that you know 50 years from now you're a more compassionate person you're a more loving person you know like who do you want to be you know and I think that's really like the more that you feed on anything the more that you're going to want it Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's an issue of like guilting yourself of like oh I just watched Netflix for six hours like (laughs) or, or like or even like for that matter working out like working out could be an addiction too Right. you know um working out or even I would even go far as say as like reading your bible you know like can, can you be so addicted to looking a certain way in front of people in the church or anything that you do things just for the sake of the image right. it goes back to what we were talking about the facade I and that's why I think praxis is so great because the rubber meets the road right you know like you're practicing what you believe in so I don't know where I was going with that
1: yeah it's like, I'm, I'm immediately looking at the whole thing um, when we talk about, like, like, looking to the future when I'm 50, how do I want to be? And the problem is, if you're still stuck in the shame and guilt cycle that continues to bring you down, then looking to 50 years from now, you actually lose a lot of heart for what you're trying to do today. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, And so, yeah, like, right. I, for some people, it works. Yeah. Um, to think like, man, 50 years from now, what do I want to be? And how do I do the steps to get there? Sure. But, but for, for me, and again, this is from the the anxiety, shame, guilt cycle, Devin. When I would think back when I before I was a Christian, when I would think, man, who do I want to be when I'm 60? Well, I want to be retired. I want to be a multimillionaire. Right. Um, all of these things are goals. And I'm looking at the dissonance between the life I'm living and how I want to get there. Well, the emotional baggage ends up crippling any ability to actually see the potential in me Mm. and so instead of working towards the things that I knew would help me yeah I become self-destructive I start looking at things and saying I know that'll make me a better person therefore I can't do it and I don't know why Um, it's it's part of that shame guilt cycle I think some of it is the lie of Satan that says you suck you're not good enough you're not worthy of the life that you want to live but there was a word that I was given, um, not some special spiritual word, but just a, a word I found on the uh, watching a sermon. Actually, I think it's uh, a church in, in California called Zoe Church. Have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah. Chad, and Chad, Zoe yeah, yeah. is uh, about abundance, right? Yeah. Like it's that idea of living life abundantly. And, and yeah. we could call it living the Sabbath life or whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's moving towards a place. And again, I think this is where, where my core is um, right now. Where you're balanced by passion and purpose. Like, you know what you need to do. And you feel a calling and a sense of doing it. Yeah. But also balancing that with grace and forgiveness and saying, but I know my weaknesses. Yeah. And part of that is forgiving yourself. Mm.
0: You know, like forgiving other people, but also being willing to love yourself, you know, in the midst of that. Yeah. I'm reading a book, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, kind of on that same topic we can just go all day about books couldn't for sure it. but uh emotionally healthy spirituality is written by pete scazzaro and his story is crazy man like he was a pastor church planter the whole bit and 20 years into his ministry when you would think you know you've got stuff figured out he his wife basically threatened to leave him because basically she said your leadership sucks and you're not worth following Holy frig! And that would suck. Like, what the heck, man? Like, can you imagine in anything, not just as a pastor? And I think that, like, the journey that he talks about, and I'm only halfway through the book, so I don't, I, I don't have a full understanding of it yet. But what he talks about in the first few chapters is, you can't be spiritually mature without being without being emotionally mature. And I think sometimes. In our lives it's really easy to start down this path of christianity and forget that jesus transforms the whole person you know Mm -hmm. like it's not just about saying the right answers in church or it's not just saying the right things to the right people it's really about a lifestyle change you know like jesus cares about who you are and he created you and he loves you and he freaking enjoys you Mm -hmm. you know like that's cool that's amazing but he wants to transform you not just the parts that you want him to transform, the parts that you don't.
1: Yeah. There was something in Jeremiah last night um, in that reading that talked about the pleasure God takes mm. in his people. And it's like, really, we do have this. Like, I have a, a friend um, from Kingswood who writes me occasionally who really struggles with grace. Mm. Um, they don't understand it. They don't get it. There's a lot of, of, of legalistic struggles yeah. in there and and again you can say all you want you need to know the grace of god you need to know the grace of god but i think it takes really experiencing the grace of god totally to be able to move into that yeah um, like i look at my wife man she is so full of grace um just the the, the amount of honor she shows when i do stupid things where she's just like it's 12 thanks Apple. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it, it. It's so funny. Uh, but she, she really is like, if I do something wrong, she's so quick to forgive. Um, and I think that it's it's in, in that relationship that I found a lot of freedom from stuff that I hadn't had grace for myself in, hmm. but by her example. And again, she's yeah. living a life filled with Jesus, right? So it's not her. It's Jesus through her. Yeah. But through that I'm experiencing my own revival of grace and understanding more God's grace for me. I love that. And I think all of this points back to there is a foundation. And I think it's, it's sort of, I was wondering if maybe this is where the, the, the whole picture of what we've been talking about comes full circle, but it's like, there is a foundation we need to build where it starts not on proper habits. It doesn't start on, on the right activities the right understanding the right knowledge the right experiences but it actually just starts on the cornerstone of Christ Yeah. and it's like that foundation sometimes requires us to tear a bunch of bricks and we're talking foundations as though there are bricks yeah. again it's a, an odd concept when we build our houses out of concrete foundations now Yeah. but it's like if, if we look at it and we say like man maybe there are some bricks in there that aren't good like think of it like a pyramid you know, if the bottom bricks are weak and failing, like how long will that structure stand if wind is knocking at the corners, right? But it's like if we go back and we start over at that very first brick, I think of that song, Take Me Back to Where It Started. It's like that one moment where we make a commitment for Jesus and we start marching forward off of that, grabbing brick by brick, those bricks that God gives us. Like, man, I, I think about... Like, when I came into the faith, I had this crazy turn of life um, and had gone from, like, complete anxiety, depression, and suicidality into, like, the full grace of God working through me to be able to free me from a lot of the stuff I was struggling with. And so I'm marching day by day, and each day God was giving me something new from His Word. It was like I was reading Scripture, and He was saying, like, Say I was struggling with this one thing and there was only one real thing God could teach me through it. It's like, for some reason, that was the message in the Bible that day. And it fit perfectly to the struggle I was having. And that's why his word has been so important to me. But I think it's like, I had to undo, like when I started doing well at Xerox while I was working there, I got back into the habit of relying on the old foundation. You know, hey, maybe God just wants me to make a bunch of money and support the church financially. It's like, that's a good goal. Like, that's a good goal for anyone. Yeah. But it was a distraction from what God was actually calling me to. That's right. Because I was going back to where I started, my old foundation. Hmm. Or actually, probably better termed, I went back to where I ended. And I'm, I'm not back on the foundation that Christ is building from my life. And so when I finally realized, like, oh, those are Devon goals. That's that's making Devin comfortable. That's doing things for my rewards that I used to value.
0: Yeah.
1: God, God is changing my value system to say like, hey man, maybe it's not about having enough money to buy blunts and. Bluntstones. I should. I should repurpose that. <laughs> just so we you know, blunt. We don't blunts. Stones. We don't smoke weed. We're Canadian, <laughs> but, uh, but Bluntstones oh, and uh, wow, that's a weird. That was perfect. What do people call them, Blunnie's? I think I've heard girls call we, them are that. Are we talking about like blunts, like stones. marijuana? Blunt. Blunts. No, no. Here I, I, I think am. They're, I think it's just Blunts, blunts and Doc Stone Martins. But it's yeah. like really, um, like maybe those are just yeah. the value things, right? Like those are the old values. Yeah. And now. As I start building in, into this foundation that Christ is is just directing me to step-by-step step do, like Noah and the Ark, it's like, hey, man, you need to do all these things to do this thing. It's like, hey, Devin, there's a season coming up, and I need your foundation to be shored up before that happens. And I, I can hold off the storms for a little while, but you need to get that foundation in place. And it's like, I can't do it on my own, Yeah. but the Holy Spirit empowers me too and I think about like our current ministry man we talked about it this morning again uh, it's just it's it's impossibly difficult to look at a room that feels like it's only a quarter full compared to where you were even even us three months ago yeah and it's like well what what discouragement what disappointment what and then I I heard a a doctor I think his name was Doctor Charles or something on the Alpha call this week. He he's from People's Church. Um, he I don't know what position he has there, but he basically said um, when we when I stepped into People's Church and we were setting out our metrics, I said we do not want to measure numbers ever. We have no concern over numbers, and and he said eventually we came to the conclusion that the only number we would measure was how many active ministers we had. Because that's a good indication to how healthy your ministry is, right? Like, if you know more people are coming to minister, you're probably ministering to more people. And so I think about, like, what are the real goals of youth men or next-gen ministry? And, like, Orange lays it out well, the curriculum. They talk about the goals of, of youth ministry. It's like, what are our goals? Well, it's to create healthy human beings who are founded in Christ Who are built on his principles who know going forward how to defend themselves against the threats of the world and the things that would tear us apart
0: yeah yeah there's so many resources out there that really do help to kind of dial in as to like not just what your goals are but like how you're going to get there and i think sometimes it's a little bit harder to define like okay we know why we're doing this we know the people we're trying to engage with, but how do we do it? And I think, yeah, you're right. There's definitely a lot of good resources out there. Um, yeah. A lot to be said about coronavirus and where we're at right now as a result of things that are out of our control, right? Like a lot of, a lot of ministry is wrapped up in the gathering as much as we don't want to admit that like it is. Um, and I think that that's being challenged right now. Like, how do we do discipleship? How do we, how do we disciple anyone without the Sunday gathering? Right. You know, and I think for some of us, um, for some churches, it's exposing the fact that some people weren't being discipled at all. You know,
1: and, and still at, aren't and right?
0: still aren't being discipled. So what what does that mean for us? How, how do we as ministers equip people to do that job well, to be able to disciple to disciple other people.
1: I think that's one of the things that I admire about the Wesleyan Church. And I know whatever denomination you might be coming from listening, um, I'm not trying to brag up on a, a doctrinal position or whatever. I'm, I'm simply saying, I hear people talking about these brand new ideas. Uh, There was a a book called Missional Pastor that was released back in either the late 90s or early 2000s. And they had this radical new idea. We're going to go and we're going to reach people. And and again, it's not as simple as I'm saying. and, And I'm sure the people who wrote the book had no intention of saying something that simple. But it really looks a lot like what the Wesleyan Church has been doing, which is like, we need to go and reach people. It's like, how do we disciple? How do we multiply? And maybe you've been in the Wesleyan Church longer than I have. They've not always done a great job at that. But right now, everything I'm hearing from from people talking about, you know, like, we need to take on small church mentality. We need to rethink small we need to go, and we need to do it this way, and we need to do it this way. And I just keep hearing these things, and I'm like, but that's what I was taught at Kingswood. Like, that's what, st- like, that's exactly what we are taught as Wesleyan pastors. It's what they're reinforcing. It's like, we're already there, and we were there. Like, when we talk about, there's a guy named Brady Shearer. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. I don't. I want to say he's from Pro Church, but he basically is like a social media guru for the church. Um, and he did a video recently about church trends and talked about what you're saying. You know, like, the building... Is no longer as important as what we think it is. And there are a lot of people who are going to have a struggle letting go of the building model. Mm, yeah. um, he's saying a large part of our ministry going forward is about reaching people where they're at. And Paul did the same thing. Paul yeah. went to the marketplace because that's where the people were. Yeah. Like if social media is where the people are, we're ignorant not to go. And I think God in this season is pushing us there, but, but it was how long ago we did the the pastoral care in Fredericton and journey.
0: That was a month or two
1: ago. Yeah. So we Before went Christmas, it would have been probably or like September or late August. Was it not? Or am I crazy? I, oh, it may have been in October. It, it was It was October, it. maybe November anyway, but yeah, two so, months ago, yeah. So we were talking then about what Kerry Newhoff and all these other guys are now putting out as, like, great revelations. But it's like, I think the Wesleyan pastors, to a degree, understand that the model has changed, that we need to be looking elsewhere. And even if you remember, we talked about in the, that small group, and I won't, maybe I shouldn't share too much about it, because it was a, a source of, of spiritual counseling more than anything else. But it's like, we were all that talking it. That day was so about, great. So, great. so good yeah. but all of us left i think the last big conversation surge before we had to call it quits was like man maybe church in the future doesn't actually take place in a building yeah and that was like a huge revelation for me yeah but maybe there are other people who are like yeah we've been saying like i think about the t t t for t guys is that what they're called the guys who are all no oh, what is it uh the the missional groups who are standing there accusing any pastor who has a congregation that they care for that they're not doing enough evangelism and they're not doing enough ministry outside. Yeah. It's like there's there's that extreme to, yeah. that right. says if you haven't shared today with at least one person, you're not doing your job as a Christian. And and I think that's a, a strong position. Yeah, I mean like there's always gonna be people that challenge um, based off of their own
0: experience because there's some people that w- have had either a bad experience in the church or an experience that they've learned from and have gone too far in the other direction. You know, like there is a middle ground somewhere in there that, you know, you talk about the foundation being Jesus. The foundation is always Jesus, Mm -hmm. no matter what method we use, no matter if we're in a building or not, like it's always Christ. And I think, you know, you talk about Paul he adjusted to the culture of his time you know like the culture again that's why we're Wesleyans like the big thing with Wesleyans is like the culture can change um so our method should too but Christ never changes the message stays the same so I, I think like w- along with that and again that day was so good like I I can think of a couple things right off the top of my head that have kind of radically changed the way that i'm viewing church in this time from that day one of which being like for one people don't know how to have relationship um really at all like one of the things he said like if we're expecting people to gather in community um we might have an understanding as pastors how to do that because of you know our experience or where we've been but often people don't you know? Like, and that's that's no shame on them. It's no shame on us. It's just a lot of people don't know how to do that in their daily lives. So, one is how do we teach that? But two, how do we equip people to be able to go to the Word and to actually start to learn for themselves? You know, how do I how do I spend an hour alone? How do I practice solitude? Mm -hmm. Like like, solitude is one of the most weird things in the Bible. Like Jesus did it. And I think we're supposed to do it too. And I've I've always experienced good things when I go off alone by myself. But one of the things that we harp on people is that we're supposed to be spending time in community. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a balance. Like you do need community, you need people around you, accountability, all that. Mm -hmm. But you also need time with the Father. You know, you also need time to kind of bring back to what is home plate? Mm. You know, like I've, I've gone to all these different places, but
1: ultimately I come back to the father. Mm -hmm. What are you saying to me? What do you say? Mm -hmm. Man, it's so good. I, I like, I think first off, Spiritual disciplines is something we need to know more about. I think about Dr. Friedman's class, and you had it under someone else, but spiritual formation was unreal. Tyler Johnston. Tyler Johnston. Dallas Willard's book, Revolution of Heart, is that what it's called? Uh, Renovation of the Heart. Yeah. Renovation of the Heart. I think he's got two or three that are similar titles, but he, yeah. he points to each of the spiritual disciplines. Revolution of Character. Revolution like of a, Character. Yeah, yeah. So Re-
0: Revolution of Character, Renovation, Renovation of, the Heart, of the Heart, and then there's Spirit of the Disciplines, which yeah. I've heard is also excellent.
1: Yeah, so what was the one, Revo- uh, Character? Renovation. Uh, Re- Revolution of Character. Revolution of and Character, then Renovation I think, the is Heart. the one that we had read. And man, it, it, it really brings an idea that you need to be practicing balance yeah. in your life but i find there are moments when i'm called to one discipline more than another absolutely and so i think that we can't be like legalistic about like making sure that we get enough of this and enough of that but but my brother is is part of the high anglican church and loves loves all that stuff and and one of the things that he's come to in his own journey is like finding 10 or 15 minutes every morning just to be silent before god yeah and he said it's the most difficult thing he mm-hmm. has to do in his day because it is so hard just to be still and to be quiet and to listen for God's mm-hmm. voice and what he's trying to tell us. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think we even need to be thinking in that time. I think it's just about being quiet. Yeah. Like, oh, man, yeah. I, I think be, about science. being, being
0: quiet being quiet that's so awesome <laughs> i love that so much be, being quiet can sometimes like you said be one of the most difficult things we do and it requires thinking to be quiet you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like there, there's almost an aspect where like we can we can lose ourselves either in a conversation or even throughout the day and that's like a time to center you know like um To kind of recognize the noise in your life, like if there is thoughts from social media, or like you know when you scroll through Facebook or Instagram or whatever, there's things that you see that create noise in your life. And I think being quiet is just one of those ways, silence, whatever you want to call it, is a way to kind of drain that out, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah, I love that. What's your brother's name again?
1: Nathan. Nathan. Yeah. Uh, Anglican boy yeah there's a it's funny man well the Wesleyan Church comes from the Anglicans right so they do um, I shouldn't say that because there was a big Methodist movement before that so big separation well John but, Wesley was Anglican yeah Wesley died yeah. an Anglican he's yeah, yeah. known as that um, there's there's a verse that that came to mind and I think if we're talking to pastors right now I don't know what we are um like we're, hopefully we're, we're, hopefully we're, we're anybody can we're listen and hear what we're saying um well but like this is the, this is the verse <laughs> this yeah, is the yeah. verse that I found right. uh, in Jeremiah last night that I mentioned earlier today yeah yeah uh Jeremiah 10:21 for the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord therefore they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered i heard that and my brain went and again I'm not going to be eisegetical about it and like read into what that verse means out of context. And I hope you're not doing that either. But for me, I heard that and I thought, have I really, and this comes back to what I said about Sunday services and being in front of people or even whatever social content we're posting. It's like, have I really put on a facade before Mm -hmm. our people or am I truly spending the time required with God to know what he's doing, to hear his voice. Because, man, I, it feels like our flocks are scattered right now. Yeah, It really does. Like our, our, We don't even know at this point who calls Heartland Wesleyan Church their home. Like We have people who have come forever and ever who haven't been back in the building since COVID started. We have people who are watching online. Last week we had 105 views on our YouTube video, and that may not sound like a lot to anyone. That's 105 different systems we know some of those are families of four who posted that they were watching together yeah it's like how many people are we now reaching online that we were never reaching when we were just doing it in here in our building quietly to ourselves yeah
0: well and that that problem is native to to not just churches either like businesses are being affected by that like the economy everywhere is being affected and i think um again, like it really comes down to how do you measure success? I, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, before COVID, during COVID, whatever, um, is success the amount of views that you have on your video or is success the amount of people that you have in your building? You know, the questions that we ask are really important towards like the goals that we have, as you know, you've got all that background with it, but But I just think, like, how how did Jesus measure success in the kingdom? You know, like, in this time, if I were to go and make and invest in one person that did not care, and then that person became a Billy Graham or whatever— and that person, or they invested in someone else, and that person became a Billy Graham. But it was like two or three, and like we didn't actually see the success of what we were doing. Like maybe I'm called to invest in one person, yeah. And I need to be okay with that. Like what 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 is what's driving me to make disciples? Is it my ego, or is it the fact right. that like is it the fact that I actually love Jesus and I just want to do what He says? Well,
1: and isn't it crazy that we train leaders, yeah, to build relationship because the whole goal is that they reach one or two students well. But then as, and again, maybe this isn't how all next-gen pastors look at it, but like, man, I take responsibility for every single kid who walks in that door. And I think if I just do this a little better, if I do that a little better, if I if I put out more content, if I whatever then maybe they have a greater chance to know Jesus yeah. maybe in their abusive relationships with their parents they'll be able to find freedom and safety and security in our in our in our family which is our youth program right but then at the end of the day and it's what we said earlier it's like we're walking with a god who's so much more powerful than we know who is constantly working on everyone around us? Yeah, fills and, in the gaps. Oh man, fills we're so gaps. we're so ignorant if we think that we hold the key Amen. to people that's knowing good. Jesus. It's so good. So that's so important. Like God, the Holy Spirit is way bigger than
0: sometimes we give Him credit for. Mm. Like it all, it all depends on us sometimes. But really, in in reality, it's God's work, and He'll build His church. Well, you think about Paul.
1: Yeah, Paul would leave a bunch of new believers. Yeah, alone and say the Holy Spirit is going to teach you and equip you. It's like, dude, dude, do I have faith that I could tell someone about Jesus? They make an acceptance of him as Lord of their life. And do I have enough faith to believe that the Holy Spirit will continue to work on that person? Because it seems like we've taken ownership. And again, this comes back to those measures of success. It's like, I think about Dr. Elliot constantly going back. And Dr. Elliot is a saint, one of the greatest people I know. Yeah, he's amazing. He always would say... Like I want to reach the end of my life, come before God and hear, "Well done, good and faithful servant." And it's like, man, yeah. those words don't have measures attached to them, or at least not not measures that we can see and value. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they're not even universal measures. Like for each person, and I think this is true, God has different goals for your life. Yeah, and so that's so yeah. Absolutely. So like, what does that mean? as we minister to young people and like how can we inspire them to set the goal before them that is well done good and faithful servant yeah
0: so good very well said (laughs) I uh, I think there's all kinds of ways and I think we've hit on a few of them but it really does come down to at the end of the day are you doing what God wants and if you're not Ask him, what do you want me to do? And that's a daily mm-hmm. thing. And I, like, I, I don't think that we're limited enough in COVID. Like you could use the excuse all day, COVID messed this up, you know, <laughs> like, but God is still speaking, mm-hmm. you know, God is still
1: asking you to do something. And what is it today? You know, I feel like this is a great point to set that challenge for anybody listening. And we can, we can pray our way out. if you think that's good sure. Um, so do you want to lead us in closing yeah it's powerful man
0: oh god we need you I need you today Uh, father I just thank you for that you are building your church and the gates of hell cannot stand against it Mm -hmm. father you are giving us different things even right now um, to do for you Not for society at large, not for any specific person, but God, the least of things that we do, we do for you. And so, Father, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to be present um, in our conversations today as we leave. And uh, even the listeners out there that are hearing this podcast and, and wondering, God, what do you want me to do today? I pray that you would speak very clearly to them. Father, I pray that you would remind your church even today of of how much you love them so that we can live and share what it looks like to live in your kingdom just a little bit more today with someone, whether it's over Zoom or FaceTime or social media, wherever it is. God, I pray that you would make that really clear. So, Father, we just ask your blessing. Ask your blessing on our lives, and the lives of the people around us today.
1: In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, this has been, I think, our first podcast. Yeah, number one.
0: Number one. Mm-hmm.
1: If you are listening and you have some way to contact us, feel free to reach out. We're on social media. I don't know if we can plug ourselves, so we'll just leave it at that and say... Track us down, you detectives, you you internet detectives. sleuths. You, you detectives. You guys are smart. Figure yeah. it out. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do more of these and, and talk through what's on our hearts and, and sort of the things that we're seeing here in Carlton County and, and even uh, what we're seeing in, in the people around us and who we're talking to and listening to. Yeah.
0: We love you guys. Um, again, we do not have everything figured out. There's so much... That God is working on in us. Um, But we just want to be able to have good conversations about what God is doing in our lives. And I think that story has a huge impact. So, yeah, love to stay connected. If you guys uh, are on social media, feel free to connect with us and love the chat. Cool. See ya. Peace. Bye. (laughs) Cool, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed this installment of the Deeper Podcast by Crossfire Youth. Hope to see and hear what you guys have to think on social media. Feel free to message us on the Facebook Crossfire page or on Instagram if you have anything to add to the conversation. What do you think about change? What do you think about shame cycles? What do you think it looks like to be made into the image of Jesus? And what does that look like every single day? So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to message us. And as always... Feel free to reach out if you have anything going on or if God is speaking to you. If you have something that you'd like answered, we'd love to answer questions. We love to learn. We love to learn as to what you're learning in these times. So feel free to reach out. We love you guys. Have a great day. Peace.